Welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast, where today's brightest minds in the medical device industry go to get their most useful and actionable insider knowledge, direct from some of the world's leading medical device experts and companies. So as uh, I'm recording this today, I think we've done something like around 250 podcast episodes, most of them on the Global Medical Device Podcast. And a few years ago, we did a series called MedTech True Quality Stories, but it's been so cool. It's been one of the coolest things I've ever uh, had the opportunity to do in my career. You know, I get to talk to amazing people, hear some about some amazing products and technologies. And you know what? I get to put it under the bucket of work. It doesn't feel like it most of the time when I'm doing the podcast, but you know, thank you all for many of you have reached out to me and shared your comments, sentiments, and 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 I'm grateful for, for all of you listening to the Global Medical Device Podcast. And recently it's become clear to me that there's an opportunity to sort of start to take, not necessarily in a new direction per se, but to bring in some new varieties, some new contexts, some new perspectives. And joining me on this episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast is a glimpse into where we're going to be going in the future with the Global Medical Device Podcast. And so joining me is Etienne Nichols. He's one of our medical device gurus at Greenlight Guru. Uh, he clearly has a passion for this sort of thing. And that was evident to me. And so I've reached out to him and said, hey, Etienne, will you, uh, will you be more involved uh, with the podcast? And and he's looking forward to it. And he's already starting to schedule some guests and explore some different topics. So it should be fun. I'm, I'm going to, uh, you know, ride along with him and, and he's going to ride along with me. So we're going to figure this out. But I just wanted to give you, uh, I guess, an introduction, a more in-depth opportunity to, to listen to uh, uh, Etienne Nichols. And who knows? We'll see where it goes. So we're just going to roll with it. So enjoy this episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast. This is your host and founder at Greenlight Guru, John Spear. And joining me is, is one of our medical device gurus, Etienne Nichols. Uh, Etienne, welcome. Hey, John. Thanks. Good to be here. And I know you've been on the podcast before. And I, I guess, spoiler alert, uh, you're, you're going to be on it a, a lot in the future too. So I, I thought we could <laughs> use this opportunity to kind of I guess hopefully uh, reintroduce folks, listeners to to who you are and your background, and and just riff a little bit about some of the things that are happening and 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 things that each of us are observing in our industry right now. Yeah, cool. Well, I appreciate it, and yeah. So we skip to the end here. That I like it. I appreciate you. Go ahead and letting the cat out of the bag. I really appreciate the opportunity to be on the podcast, to be a co-host, and to uh, to work with you, to work with other medical device professionals. So. Yeah, I'm excited about the path forward. Yeah, and you know, for me, you made that choice pretty obvious because you do such a good job. Like I'm creating little videos and snippets and things. Like you, you'll put something out on LinkedIn about you know a new thing that the Greenlight Guru is doing or a topic that you're passionate about, and, and he's just like this. This seems to come. I don't know if it comes natural to you, but you, you, it's clear to me that you definitely have a passion uh, for doing this sort of thing. Uh, so. Well, yeah, it's a lot of editing for sure. But yeah, that, <laughs> and it, it's interesting because when I came to Greenlight Guru, part of what 
kind of led me here was the desire for things to be better, you know, as far as like documentation and so forth. And just coming here and, and seeing what, you know, Greenlight Guru is doing for the industry. That's really what fuels my ability to go on LinkedIn and post those things, even when, when I'm thinking, okay, what's, what's somebody going to think of this? But no, if this helps somebody, it matters. And so it makes it a lot easier. Yeah. And, you know, that, that spirit that you just described or that thing that's that interests you about our industry. I mean, I think we, we have a special team at, at Greenlight Guru, first and foremost, but Definitely. Uh, I'm especially fond and appreciative of our medical device gurus. And, you know, for those listening who may not know, Greenlight Guru, you know, of course, we are the only medical device success platform uh, for the medical device industry built by actual medical device professionals. But part of what, what makes our team special is we, we have this thing we call the Guru Edge. And we have folks like Etienne and myself and, gosh, probably at least 10 other people. I, I lose count yeah. these days. But, <laughs> and, and what makes a medical device Guru? These are folks who worked in the medical device industry as product development engineers and quality managers and quality engineers and regulatory specialists and so on and so forth, who actually worked at medical device companies. So they've been in the uh, shoes that you, many of you listening are wearing and they understand, you know, the trials and tribulations that you go through <laughs> as medical device professionals, because we've all done it, you know? And so I think that relatability is important with, with our customer base and in, in our industry. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because as you were talking, I started to think, yeah, we we kind of bear in our body the battle scars of certain, you know, situations. When I'm going through the software, sometimes, you know, we have the quality events portion of the software and different people like different examples from those, whether it's non-conformance or Kappa. And if they let me pick, I typically say, well, if you're going to let me pick, let's go with Kappa. I probably have yeah. the most trauma related to Kappa, so we can, <laughs> we, we can do that, but... Yep. Well, well, I mean, we've all seen things in our career. And this is the other cool thing is like no one guru has all the answers on our team, you know, self-included. And, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, my gosh, you, 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 I bet you've been through I think, no, I have no experience with that. Zero. But I know somebody who does. And so, you know, I'll send a quick note. Uh, we use this internal messaging tool called Slack. We have a channel just for our gurus. I'm like, hey. Who knows about this? And yeah, sure enough, within minutes, somebody knows. And that's awesome. You know, so to have that that expertise. I mean, I I've said this kind of jokingly before, but I think it's probably true. I don't know how to measure it anyway. So we'll just leave it as something out there that maybe somebody can investigate for us. But I think there's more medical device experience at, at Greenlight Guru than at most medical device companies. It's really impressive to me, not just maybe one of the ways you could quantify that is, you know, most medical device companies are very pointed in a certain specific area, you know, whereas at Greenlight Grew, it's a, right. it's a wide swath. You have elect electrical, mechanical, the software, just so many different things, packaging, experts, production, labeling, it runs the gamut. So I'm very fortunate to work here. I'm, it's, it's exciting to get to uh, uh, learn more of these things too, by uh, almost by osmosis, <laughs> being yeah. with some of the other gurus. No, it's fascinating. When, uh, you know, I, every time I get to interact with one of our gurus, like, all right, there, there's an old <laughs> saying, and I, I usually butcher these things, but something like, you know, it's surround yourself with people who are smarter than you. And, and I'm very blessed because I feel like we, Greenlight Guru, have done a, a good job of that. And I get to interact with people like, oh, wow. Like, like, um, I remember like when, when Tom Rich joined, 
Uh, yeah. I dabbled a little bit in some consulting in the orthopedic space, but you know, here's a guy that, that designed orthopedic products. And I, I, I don't know, I thought that was, there's always something that's a little bit fascinating about casting a piece of metal that's going to be implanted into the patient for the rest of their life. I mean, my dad, for example, is a recipient of, of two new, he had knee surgery, double knee surgery oh, quite wow. a few years ago and it changed his life, you know? I think that's the cool thing is like when you can, when you can relate a personal experience, something, you know, hopefully nobody we know is going to go through a medical procedure, but the reality is many people we know are, are going to go sure. to, through those and they understand the role that a medical device plays and how that can impact their quality of life in, in a positive way. That's, that's why we do this. Yeah. hundred percent. I had a, a coach at the gym who was getting a double shoulder replacement. Well, mm. one, one shoulder and one partial. And I happened to work at a place where there was another division worked on the, uh, that side of things, you know, the, the joints yeah. and, and so forth. And, uh, so I was actually able to go over to that side and say, Hey, if, could I, do I need to make any recommendations? Just talk to the director of product marketing on that side. And, uh, they said, well, uh, yeah, there's some good things happening. And they talked to me about a few of those things. It's just when I hear about those and get to kind of expand my horizon, it, it reminds me that the future is bright. You yeah. know, a lot of times we get, we get sucked into the news and we're worried about so many different things, but really there's uh, just working with all these different companies. Now it really does remind me that the future is bright. So I'm, I'm excited about um, all the different ways the medical device industry is going to be improving our lives in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, the, the cool thing is not just, I mean, the, the gurus that we have, the diversity and, and the backgrounds that everybody have is, is really cool, but uh, and you kind of hit on this a moment ago, but the things that our customers are doing, holy cow. Oh. <laughs> like, oh, wow. That's, I didn't even think of that. You know, that's, that's cool, you know? So yeah, that, that's kind of fun for all of us is to get that kind of exposure to really the leading edge technology. And there's some really, and folks listening, I, there's hopefully many of you are doing some of these fun things too, but there's some really cool things right now that are, that are happening. And I can't wait to, to hear about some of these, these products getting to the market. So it's going to be a fun time, but I guess with that in mind, and I mean, as we're recording this, it's toward the tail end of 2021, which you know, I think most people would agree the past couple of years have been maybe the weirdest couple of years in the history of humanity, but nonetheless, you know, knowing that 2022 is right around the corner or maybe as this is airing, maybe it's already 2022, but what do you see? What sort of themes or trends or observations do you have as far as what's going on? And I, I know I'm hitting you very <laughs> unprepared if we didn't talk about what we were going to talk about. So I'm just throwing this out. Yeah. So I'm just, my mind's racing a little bit in a couple of different directions trying to think. I would say data-driven decision-making is going to be yeah. one of the biggest things. I, and it's one of the things that, you know, you can talk about artificial intelligence and some of the different things like that. And that is really cool. It's exciting to hear about those uh, different sections. But the data-driven decision-making is probably the thing I'm most excited about. It's not the sexy, you know, like I said, AI, but it is, there's one customer that we work with where, they just to kind of speak in generic terms, just to, you know, protect the guilty. They are working on a clinical trial where they are, they're actually terminal patients. And so these patients don't really have a whole lot of hope to survive more than a year. So they're doing a clinical trial to um, make a suggestion on a different off-label drug, for example. Okay. And they've had tremendous success. So they, they put their uh, data into a, an array or whatever. And uh, 
it makes a decision for him. It's not the doctor making decision. It's it's looking across a broad, broad swath of drugs that you never would have thought to apply to this this specific situation. And they're they're having a lot of success for that. To me, that sort of thing is really exciting to see. You know, the the data driven decision making wow. in different ways. That's pretty cool. I, I I hadn't heard about that, but that's that's really cool. I mean, because. And I, I, and I, I like that because I mean, who, who thinks of that? Right. It's just like, wow. I mean, I hope this comes off the, the right way, which usually my wife tells me when I say that, that <laughs> it's going to come off the wrong way. And she's probably right. Well, usually right. But anyway, who thinks, oh, wow, there's a patient that has a terminal illness. They have no hope. There's, there's nothing that's going to, to treat their condition. That's going to reverse this, this circumstance, but maybe we can give them find a pharmaceutical that's not indicated or known or, or that sort of thing that that can make life a little bit better. You know, why not? Right. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of patients. I mean, you know, sometimes you hear about a, or, you know, a relative or something who, you know, maybe in their late eighties or early nineties and, you know, they, they get a condition and, you know, had they been, you know, in their forties or fifties, it would have been easier to treat, but because they're a little bit later in life, maybe they're just not able to tolerate the type of surgery and that sort of thing. So, you know, this is a really cool thing. The other other thing that I'm excited about is, and this has been a theme for a while, uh, I think, but there's sort of this convergence or this blending of tech, right? Things that are, you know, a classic traditional type medical device, you know, very clear cut. I mean, that term medical device, pretty broad reach and somewhat generic at times, but, but now we have all these, all this tech coming in, right? Things that you and I use in our everyday lives that, you know, maybe it's consuming some of our risk space and all these sorts of things, but the lines are blurry between what is and is not a medical device. And, and I think that's kind of cool in some respects because, you know, it's, it's given me, it's making me a, a quote patient um, when I feel like I'm he- otherwise healthy in some cases, but, but it's given me information. And to your point, I think there's a lot of, it's a, it's a data. It feels a little bit like a data driven uh, initiative. I don't know if that's the intent there, but I think that's cool just to see yeah. tech entering into this, into our space. Absolutely. It's interesting. You go into a hospital room and it looks like, you know, depending on the hospital room you go into, it looks like the equipment's been there for 40 years. Sometimes you're like, why, <laughs> yeah, why haven't things improved? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, some things don't need to change. I get that as well. But absolutely, I'm, I'm 100 percent behind. If we have, you know, the, the technology to make life more efficient, more productive in so many ways, usually that can be applied to a medical device and make our life uh, a little bit healthier as well. So um, the yeah. wellness products are great. Yep. Yeah. You know, you, you talking about the, the, uh, hospital setting, you know, the exam room, whatever. I'm, I'm always reminded of one of our customers. Uh, you, you probably would know them, but we'll, well, well hell why not? They're, I know they have a great story. So the photonic care story, do you know those guys? No. Oh, I well, have... you should look them up, but you, you have younger Man, kids. I'm out of the loop. No, you, you, you have younger kids. You, this would be appropriate. But they, um, and I forget the name of it. Damn it, that's going to make my story not so good. But what is the device that's that's used for uh, examining the the ear? 
Oh, uh, not the otoscope, is it? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Otoscope. Thank you. I forgot that. I, I don't know I to... how I came up with that. <laughs> oh. <clears throat> okay. But, but you said something in a hospital that's, that's been there for like 40 years. But otoscope's been there for, I think it was like 100 or something crazy like that. Now, you know, invented. And, and it's, there's basically no tech there. You know, it's just, it's like a flashlight. Yeah. Or less. I mean, I'm, I'm over. Ring with a magnifying glass. Yeah. <laughs> right. But the, the guys that started Photonicare, sort of their inspiration is the misdiagnosis of, of ear infections with kids. And, okay. and uh, the phenomena of the overprescription of antibiotics. And yeah. I, when I heard that story, I could immediately relate because when my kids are younger, especially with my son, he had quite a few ear infections and he had to get tubes and all these sorts of things. And you know, I know that the healthcare providers, the doctors, the you know, ENTs, and et cetera, were did the best they could with the, the knowledge and technology that they had. But, but I feel like you know, a company like Photonicare is not going to going to change that because they're going to be incorporating video and all these sorts of things into their products. So, you know, taking a product that existed for over a hundred years and they've modernized and leveraging tech. So, you know, those are cool things too. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, anytime you can take the subjectivity out of the equation in a diagnosis. I love that. I mean, I, I'm sure most, I don't know if everybody's read or not about the, uh, uh, don't get a colonoscopy after lunch because that's when the, the fewest polyps are found, that sort of thing, you know, just yeah. so we're a little slower after, after lunchtime, always try to do things first thing in the morning, but, um, it's, it's because there's subjectivity. You're expecting a doctor to make that call just based on a visual. So, right. um, yeah, that's the more, the more data that can be behind a decision. I, I love that so much so you mentioned the wearables the wellness industry is um i think going to be affected and impacted as well quite a bit and that's that's exciting to see because preventative care there's not a whole lot of emphasis placed on it but i think that uh there's a lot of space there for improvement too so and i think you know the the classic wearables are something you wear on your wrist and resembles or is incorporated into some sort of watch or something like that and yeah, there, there's certainly quite a few products there in that, in that area, but I see other wearables uh, becoming more commonplace. And and I, I think, you know, like the pandemic is 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 also creating some opportunity for innovation. I think, uh, you know, when especially when it comes to healthcare. Um, I mean, pre-pandemic, it's not like telehealth didn't exist, but sure. I, I think it was more less common. You know, you you probably especially, you know, like I live a little bit more rural, you know, telehealth would be, you know, a huge benefit to, to a lot of folks who, who are rural in different parts of the country, because, you know, we're restricted, we're sort of homebound or homebound more than, than maybe what we were uh, a couple of years ago. So I, I see wellness to your point. I see telehealth being another area that's, that's going to grow yeah. and products that, that are more home use. I, I could see that growing, which, you know, there's other challenges with that. Sure. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So the the home use, um, that's actually one of the, the the company that I was working for prior to coming to Greenlight Guru. Um, they were working on a drug delivery product. Um, and the goal was to prevent uh, or or kind of help patients who had to go into the hospital have to have an infusion to allow them to have the freedom to do that at home. And uh, it's really cool um, story on their side. And it's, it's really exciting what they're doing over there. Just things like that. You know, it's it's really neat to see. I was at a conference actually last 
Well, I started to say last year, you mentioned 2022 and it's in my head. I'm like, is this 2022? (laughs) For me, it's 21 right now. Yeah, it's Um, still 21. Got to talk to a, uh, um, an inventor. I don't know. He's an interesting guy in a lot of different ways. And he's, he's working on a, and has, uh, got the funding for, and has a working prototype of a continuous glucose monitor. That's non-invasive. And he got the idea because his wife nearly died of, um, um, diabetes and some things like that. So he said, man, we need to be following this all the time. And I just love that um, stories of people scratching their own itch, you know, saving. And he, he used that multiple times. It's like, I'm, I saved my wife's life and I saved my own life because it turns out I was headed that direction as well. So I I think that's super cool to to hear those stories as well. Yeah. I mean, and you know, diabetes, that's, I remember when I started in the industry and probably to some extent, even today, that was sort of the, if you could come up with a technology to address or mitigate diabetes, I mean, that's sort of a, a holy grail uh, opportunity. And, you know, I know there's been a lot of innovation in that space, but, you know, I think this is the other thing and your story kind of hits the nail on the head there, but we work in an industry where the people actually care, you know, okay. Yeah. There's a couple of bad apples, but the people who work in the medical device industry, they they care about it. You know, they, and I, and I hope other people in other industries also care about what they do, but, but I just feel blessed to, to, to do this. And, you know, I'm not going to retell this story because you've probably heard it before and plenty of other people listening. have heard it before too, but there was a moment in early, and I'm glad it happened early in my career where I had a light bulb moment. It's like, Oh, this is why I do, I'm doing this. And, and I think, you know, each, a lot of medical device professionals that kind of have their own light bulb or epiphany moment where it's like, Oh, okay. Now I get it. Uh, and then once you get it, you can't unget it. You know, it's, it's yeah. like, uh, it's contagious in a good way. Yeah. It's like, there's a, lo- a line that's been drawn and anything on the other side of that is you don't want to go there. Yeah. I had a similar in college, maybe a similar situation. Not necess- I wasn't in the medical device industry yet, but yeah. I think it's when caring about medical devices sort of, popped up. My brother had um, some issues that landed him in the hospital and we were, we were very concerned that he might not make it. He was there all summer long, but at the end of the summer, he said, I got to get back to college. So <laughs> let me out of here. And uh, so he, he just muscled through his, his impressive guy, a lot of respect for him, but fast forward into my manufacturing career. Um, I would go out to the manufacturing floor. If we had a, a rush order or something of, you know, it was neurosurgical equipment. It was a stereotactic surgical mm-hmm. equipment that they, they used. And uh, it's very, a lot of workmanship involved. And when we had a lot of orders come in, sometimes we tried to get them through as quickly as possible, but they, they would see me coming. I'd come out there. I'm like, guys, I got to make a quick speech. And they're like, oh, Etienne's going to go, you know, long again. And I'm like, guys, I tell them about my brother in a lot more detail. I'm like, the things that we do matter so much. Okay. You guys aren't building, you know, Kia Rios. You guys are building the Lamborghini. And so yeah. take, take the time and, and do it right. right. And they roll their eyes at me and they get back to work. But um, yeah, it matters. You know, what we do really doesn't well, I mean. Well, so first of all, this is, you're not a brain surgeon, but even more important, you, you help make the tools that brain surgeons use. So that's pretty damn important. So that's kind of cool. Uh, residual effects. <laughs> <laughs> but don't, um, you reach some people in that manufacturing yeah. environment for sure. I had, uh, earlier in my career, I was, um, my, I was a product development engineer, but the company I worked for, I, I didn't know this at the time. And actually 
kind of found this out the hard way, but that also meant that I was the manufacturing engineer because we, we didn't necessarily, we were engineering light. Let's just say we didn't, we didn't have engineers to fill all the various disciplines within, within the, the gamma. We didn't have manufacturing quality engineers that the, you were the engineer many times that were going to do all of those things. But, but I developed really close relationships with the manufacturing departments that, that, um, built the products that I was designing and not just the ones that I was designing, but the others in our, in our um, business unit. And this is a trick and I don't mean for it to sound like nefarious or, or shady. It's, it's quite the opposite actually. So I hope some folks out there listening can, can take this and, and apply this. But I found that when you can explain to people uh, what the product does and how it's going to be used and what sort of disease conditions or, or situations where this product is going to be beneficial, you get a different kind of pride, a sense of ownership. You know, a little bit of that person now gets a little bit of agency with that product that they're involved with. And, and I just encourage people to, to share that with, with others on your team who may or may not understand that. Just take a few extra moments and, you know, just to ex- give them some perspective on what it is that they're doing and why it matters. Yeah, absolutely. If I go back to that conference, I actually got to moderate a panel with multiple people who had started and sold companies. And one of the piece of advice that really stuck with me that they gave, they said, you know, just same thing you said, just share those, those customer stories. Right. And I took that and kind of flipped it in my mind. I'm thinking, okay, if a product has impacted me, maybe I should share my story with that company because that could be the difference in oh, know, yeah. them moving forward. So yeah, I definitely absolutely. encourage people to do that. Yeah. One other question I had. So I know I've heard you talk about the FDA and you say, I'm a fan of the FDA. There's kind of, and I don't know if you experienced this. I experienced a a low to high experience of the FDA. My, my initial <laughs> thought, I, I was like, man, this paperwork, this yeah. industry, this regulation, but as I moved forward in my career, I got to the point where I thought, wow, this, this actually is a good thing. And, and uh, I'm, I'm actually trying to figure out a way to write this out. So it makes sense. They don't put up a speed limit sign. I'm going to try to use this illustration. Yeah. You tell me, yeah. oh, whoa, you're off way off base. When I was a kid, I, I, a little, well, I call myself a kid. When I was a teenager, I had a motorcycle. It was a, it was a fast motorcycle. Mm. We would go around curves much faster than we thought. We'd see that speed limit sign. We'd say, okay, it says 25. That means I can go 40 on this bike, um, which, you know, so that don't recommend that to anybody. Not a good idea, but this is what went through my mind. When I saw that, I thought, okay, what the FDA does is they don't put the speed limit sign up. They say, the, the road is curved at a three degree angle that has a certain friction and it has this certain slope. Don't fly off the road. And if you're driving a semi, you better go 50 miles an hour. If you're in a sport bike, maybe you can go 40. Right. So that's the way I look at the FDA now, as far as okay. their regulations. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think though? Yeah. It's almost like, it's not so much that they're this putting the speed limit sign. It's almost like they're putting the guardrails up. Yeah. Right. So that, that you don't slide off that curve. And you know, I've, I'm a little bit older than you, <laughs> but I started my career in the late '90s. Well, right before I started my career, uh, the the new, what we know as commonplace today, 21 CFR Part 820, uh, which is the FDA's quality system regulations for medical device, just went into place. Like in the like, I think it's '96. So I think we just celebrated like 25 years or something crazy like that, but just went into place. And 
before that it was like GMP and, and so there were regulations. They were just a little more loose, right? A lot, a lot more left up for interpretation. Although even today, to your point, I think there's still a lot left up to interpretation, depending on whether I'm driving a semi or a sport bike. Yeah. Um, the industry was kind of, I was coming into it. The industry was kind of like, like grumpy. Like they were like, I can't believe the FDA is putting all this enforcement on us. And, and so I think that was sort of the, the tenor of the theme there for a while. And there was not a interactive collaborative uh, type of relationship between industry and FDA. And, and both sides are guilty, frankly. Um, you know, it was more like this headbutting and it was like, you know, I can remember like when we do a five ten K there was, we didn't notify FDA ahead of time. We had no communication with FDA ahead of time. We just put together the 510 K packet and shipped it to them and crossed our fingers and waited. And, and I don't even think, you know, our, our regulatory team called them after they shipped it to make sure that it was received. I don't know if they had return receipt, but regardless, there was very little interaction. It was more of, we're going to send it over. We're going to cross our fingers and wait, and, you know, and, and kind of this, well, poor and ineffective way to, to communicate. Yeah. And I'm, you know, so that was the beginning. And then, you know, within the past, uh, let's call it a decade, I see the FDA has been uh, much more, um, they've been changing sort of their approach uh, so that they will be more, so there's more opportunity to collaborate with industry. I mean, just like a, a thing like a pre-submission, uh, if you're going to do a regular, like a 510K or some sort of regulatory submission, you can, you can get an audience, you can communicate, you can have a conversation with the FDA ahead of time. And I think that's awesome. And, and I think that's amazing. And I think that's really cool. So yeah, I've seen a huge evolution uh, of FDA over time. And I, and I like the, the, the metaphor, the analogy or whatever, the riding on a motorbike on, on a, a curvy road. I think that's good. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I guess I would also stress because I have conversations with people different times is um, the FDA is definitely, I am so thankful that they're there. <laughs> let me, let me just put that? it that way. If you know any of the case studies about prior to the FDA, prior to certain, um, you know, whether it's radiological, uh, it's, we're, we're much better off with these regulations. So I'm, I'm thankful for that. Well, I'm thankful for it. And I, and I think I'm thankful that they are, um, I think they're still the model uh, that, that a lot of the rest of the world looks to as far as how to structure and how, how to effectively monitor and, uh, you know, govern medical devices. I mean, it's a, it's a tricky balance. I think, uh, this is my own personal opinion. I, I, I think government works best when you don't, you, when you don't notice that it's there. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I would say generally speaking, FDA is sort of that way, you know, um, you know, they, I don't, I mean, I, I appreciate that there's a, they're kind of a gatekeeper, uh, for new technologies. I mean, they have an awesome responsibility, their job, you know, they are a law enforcement agency, you know, a lot of other parts of the world may not have, uh, they may have a regulatory body, but they may not be necessarily a law enforcement agency, yeah. but their job is to protect and promote the health of us citizens. I mean, that's an awesome responsibility. And they don't just cover medical devices. They, you know, they include pharmaceuticals and food and lots of other things. So, yeah, um, the, the fact that, that today we can, we can 
design and develop and, and bring new products to market with, you know, that little bit of collaboration with the agency. And that generally they're, they only intervene if there's an issue or a need to. I mean, that's, I don't know. Yeah. It seems like a pretty good system. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So didn't mean to go off on that tangent. I just no, uh, popped into my head. And I, I love hearing what you have to say about these different things. So, yeah, yep. well, I know we're I'm just kind of looking at the the time here and I know people, uh, well, this, this feels like a good stopping point. Sure. But, uh, no, sounds good. Um, but welcome. Um, I'm looking forward to, to working with you more closely on, on uh, future episodes of the Global Medical Device Podcast. Uh, you know, for those listening, uh, Etienne and I have already had some conversations about where, you know, the direction of the podcast. So I, th- I think he'll bring some fresh thoughts and ideas and, and uh, explore some areas that maybe we, we haven't done as much in the past, but uh, I know he's excited to, to uh, put some of his fingerprints on this too. So it should be a good time. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Thanks, John. Looking forward to it as well. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, as you know, uh, Greenlight Guru has, has a, a software platform. Uh, it's the medical device success platform. It has workflows to help you manage design and development and, and risk, you know, risk. We've talked a lot about risk today, Etienne and I, on a couple of our stories and how do you manage that? Well, we also have workflows to help you route documents and records for review and approval, maintain all the versions of those documents. And then, you know, Kappa, you know, the dreaded topic that that Etienne doesn't want to talk about. Well, we have workflows for that as well as non-performances and complaints and uh, and audits and so on and so forth. But it's all in a single platform, all tied together. You know, everything that you do from design and development through post-market, you can connect all of this information together in a platform. And it's designed and developed by Greenlight Guru. So it's very easy. Go check it out, www.greenlight.guru. We'd love to chat with you. So if you want to click that button, request a, a, a call, uh, then we'd love to learn about what your needs are and, and see if we have products and solutions that can help you. So very simple. So thank you for listening to the Global Medical Device Podcast, the number one podcast in the medical device industry. And as always, and, and I'm guessing I might have to change that line here soon, but uh, this is your host and founder at Greenlight Guru, John Spear and co-host Etienne Nichols. And you have been listening to the Global Medical Device Podcast.